Hi, and welcome to the Sales Enablement Pro Podcast. I am Shauna Sumawang. Sales enablement is a constantly evolving space, and we're here to help professionals stay up to date on the latest trends and best practices so they can be more effective in their jobs. Today, I'm excited to have Aaron Evans from Global Data join us. Aaron, I'd love for you to introduce yourself, your title, and your organization. Sure. Well, my name is Aaron Evans, as you mentioned before. Um, I work for an organization called Global Data, which is a business intelligence uh, company, which is listed on the London Stock Exchange. Uh, and my role is fundamentally head of sales enablement. So what does that mean? It means I head up the sales enablement globally for the whole organization when it comes to training, development, coaching, uh, and bringing in best practices across the whole sales organization. Fantastic. Well, I'm very excited to have you join us today, Aaron. Now, one of your areas of expertise, um, and the reason we're super excited to have you join us on this podcast, is around implementing sales transformation initiatives, which for a lot of organizations can be seen as a massive undertaking. What are some key things to consider as you build the strategy for a transformation initiative to ensure that it's successful? It's a really good question. I think for me, one of the key points that we're always trying to get across is absolute clarity. Um, So let me give you an example. Um, Last year, one of the organizations I worked for was a global organization, and we had teams um, from the United States, uh, Australia, and also in the UK. And our objective was moving the organization from a total contract business into an annualized contract business. So that means with that came change of commission schemes, change the way that we present pricing, and various other different business initiatives. And one of the things that we found was really, really critical, particularly is the fact that we were dealing with different countries and different cultures, was making sure that there was absolute clarity in everything that we were communicating with people. The other part of this is, is, is also the why, right? I mean, I find in lots of organizations I've worked for, some of the mistakes they've made is not explaining the reason behind these big structural changes. And if you can make it very clear to the people who are gonna be basically executing the change, and it's their jobs and their roles and often their commission schemes that are affecting it. If you make it absolutely crystal clear what it is that you're trying to achieve and why you're trying to achieve it, often that gets more buy-in versus the kind of dogmatic, autocratic sort of like, you know, you guys need to change, here's how you do it and here's why you need to do it. That telling them the why behind it is, is really crucial and important. Um, and again, I think another sort of really important part of this is, is the skill that comes with it as well. So often one of the things that organizations neglect to do is actually to train their staff on how to make these changes. So even we think about something really, really simple like a change in pricing. Now this has a massive shockwave effect throughout an organization. And it's really important that you're giving the salespeople in that organization the disciplines, the hard skills, and also the coaching to make sure that they're able to make that change and execute on those changes as well. And then when you consider that different organizations have different uh, layers of sales as well, you've got junior salespeople, uh, might be SDRs, right through to more senior account execs or even account managers, there's going to be a different tailored solution to the way that we train them and the level of conversation they're going to be having with something as simple as a price change. Aaron, that's fantastic. Uh, my, my next question for you, though, is how do you go about aligning stakeholders on the goals that are critical for transformation initiatives to take hold? Um, from your perspective, what are some best practices for both securing stakeholder buy-in for your initiatives and ha- having them help to execute the desired outcomes? It's a really good question. I think there's, there's two parts to this which is really important. First of all is, is the planning on the change itself. By going through the planning and making people aware of the plans that you're doing, you often get the buy-in through that process. 
uh, and often you can make them feel a part of that plan as well by often canvassing their advice and their opinions. So let me give you an example of, of, of um, a previous organisation I've worked at, one of the changes we've brought in and, and also the magnitude of that change. So we took an organisation that didn't have a pricing authority matrix. So to sum it up in very simple terms is that the salespeople were allowed to price the product however they wanted. We brought in some real stringent rules around how the salespeople are presenting the price and the level of discount they can give. And if they give up to a certain level, that then gets kicked for their manager to approve. If they go up to a higher level of discount, it gets kicked over to their manager's manager. Now, this has been a really interesting change because it does several things. It's taken the power out of the salespeople's hands. They think that the organisation is trying to control them. But it's a really important, necessary change. So the way that we affected that change in the planning process was, first of all, asking the reps themselves what they thought would be a reasonable level of discount to, to offer a customer. But second of all is we looked at historical data on what the typical level of discount is that we've given. Now, when we went through that process, we realised that those two weren't so misaligned. So it felt like they'd come up with the answer through their managers and through the directors of the organisation to what that level of discount was. Now, the second part of that is, again, explaining the why that this is so important and ultimately trying to demonstrate the benefits that this is going to have to the rep. When you bring in something like an authority matrix, ultimately this means the rep um, can't offer as big a discount as they were offering before. So what this then means is, is that if we're increasing their AOV through the fact that they're not offering that discount, ultimately they're going to make more money. Now, back to the initial point I made in the last answer, is that we then went through a rigorous process of supporting the rep through this change. So we didn't just say, you know, here's the level of discount you can now give, go and do it. We gave them training on proper negotiation skills. We gave them training on how to position price. We gave them training on how you build value before you bring price into it. We also gave them training on things like finding deep metrics that are associated with a customer's goal or what they're trying to achieve or the implication of that. So when it comes to presenting a higher price or a higher average order value, they were more equipped to do that. The other part of this which was really important is that there was a huge influence that came through the managers of those salespeople. The objective of an of a authority matrix is really simple, is that the rep should feel uncomfortable about giving a larger discount because they know it's going to come through to their manager. But the other side of that is that it's a fantastic coaching opportunity. If a rep is continually giving a larger discount, the manager could just pause with that rep for a while. Instead of accepting that, we could work on coaching and training techniques to get that rep to go back and retroactively build more value with the customer to ultimately justify a smaller discount. So again, there was, there was a combination of lots of different sales enablement disciplines. There was the clarity of what we were trying to achieve, why we were trying to achieve it in the first place, ultimate support for the reps and the managers and how they can practically make these changes, but also explaining to the rep the importance of this and how ultimately it's going to help them achieve their goals, generate more revenue, have more successful months, and ultimately be more successful within their role. I think that's fantastic. And, you know, you've talked about this a lot along the way, but in order for a transformation to happen, people also need to be motivated to change. How do you go about communicating initiatives and tailoring messages across the sales organization to kind of address that challenge? 
Well, I'm in, I'm in quite a unique position. Um, because I train and coach almost every individual in the organisation, uh, or most organisations that I've worked with, and also I run um, the induction programmes, um, as well as coaching and training the managers. Now, this does take a long time to do, but what it gives you the unique vantage point of is understanding how people operate, understanding about their learning styles, and understanding about how you get those people to buy in. So what we find is is that we can group these into certain areas of people who, who are ultimately going to affect the change, right? So you've got individuals out there who are very, very focused on change and they like change and they're happy to make the change and they very quickly see the realisation of why that change can work. And when they start implementing that change, we celebrate their success. So then they become almost a totem for the organisation of if you make these changes, they will succeed, you know, you will do well. I'll go back to the example of changing from a total contract value to a um, annualised contract value and how we report the figures within the organisation. So we had many reps turn around when we made this change explaining that they were going to make less money and the opportunity to sell more was, 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 was basically less. However, we found very, very quickly an individual who um, managed to break a record in the first month that we moved to ACV. Uh, or annualised contract value, and we held them up as the example of how this can be done right. What we also did is that that, that rep was, was happy to talk about um, how they did it and give case studies. So again, we're not just using this rep as a way of replicating the success, we're also using that as real practical ways of actually sharing best practice and getting those results. Now, as a trainer uh, or a coach or, or, or anyone within sales enablement, what I find is, is that it's always best to offer training for people who want it the most. Because what then happens is, is you get that kind of twitchy curtain syndrome where the reps who are less um, receptive or open to training will start seeing success and then asking that rep or at least being inquisitive to how they're doing it and why they're doing it. I've seen some really interesting trends throughout my career and how this has affected the organisations I've worked with. We found some fascinating trends around um, spinning out reps from SDRs to account managers. So what we'd say is new business reps who are... Um, uh, let's say um, more junior, we put them on a more intensive program to leverage the expertise that they've built up over that short period of time. Now what we found was is that those reps that had gone through an intense boot camp training program to spin out to the next level or to progress or, or, or to get promoted into an account exec or a senior account exec role started to outperform some of the more seasoned and mature salespeople on, on the sales floor. Now this for us is a really good opportunity because all we were doing were coaching the disciplines and the fundamentals of what most salespeople should do and, and how to do it right. But as soon as we started seeing these more junior reps that were better trained, outperforming the more senior reps who were less receptive to training, we noticed that there was a sea change and, and certainly a shift in the mindsets of those more mature, more, dare I say it, stubborn reps who feel like they know more. And again, they became more receptive to training. An element of it is going to be you're going to get a group of people who are very, 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 very unreceptive to change. Uh, and it's a trait that we see quite common in sales. If you think about the very notion of what a salesperson is, often it's that kind of doing the same thing again and again and again, the number going back to zero every single month, and you know basically being judged from zero again, no matter how good your month was. Now with that comes a certain mindset which, is, which often isn't receptive to change. And we see this scattered through lots of different examples of reps being um, even receptive to new features or new products that we sell within an organisation they're often less receptive to be the ones that actually go and start selling those. Now again, I'm not saying that we ignore those reps, but we concentrate on our, our efforts on the reps that are going to give us the best result when it comes to 
demonstrating that change and achieving the results we need with that change. And then we hold them up as the success stories. And within time, we often see the more senior and more seasoned reps turn around and, and make changes. But it's really hard. It's really difficult. And there's an education piece that comes with it as well. Um, it's, you know, as I've said in my previous answers, is that forcing change on people is difficult, really, really difficult. You really need them to buy in and see the, the, uh, see the, the value and why they need to do it. Absolutely. And I love how you keep returning to why. I think that's essential when it comes to change initiatives. Beyond just kind of the sales reps, what are some of the other challenges that you've experienced when managing change projects and how have you overcome some of those? Yeah, I mean, I've kind of seen it all in a weird sort of way. I mean, I think the most challenging one is when you have, um, be it salespeople or managers or even other business units where they've they're very successful, very, very successful in what they do. And they have a formula that works really, really well. And as a sales enablement person or as a coach or a trainer, you've got to go in there and tell them to do things differently. Um, it's really challenging um, because you're starting from a position where someone feels that they're almost, you know, uh, <laughs> almost, you know, like the, the best that they can be. That's one challenge which is really, really difficult. And overcoming that is always really, really hard. Because often what comes with that are the rewards of being successful. These people often see that you're taking money out of their pocket for a decision which is actually a business decision versus a decision that's going to help them directly. But again, I think there's, there's lots of challenges that come with big transformational change. And I think it's about having the operations, having the, um, the structure, having the personnel, having the, you know, the clarity to be able to, 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 to deliver on that. But the, the converse of that, and I guess this is the really exciting part for anyone within sales enablement um, that's helping make these changes, is that there's something really glorious about seeing other people's behaviours change through real clean process training, development, coaching, operations. When you start seeing that change, whether that's increasing the value of deals that people are doing, whether that's closing ratios going up, whether that's demonstrations being booked in the world of SaaS, uh, you know, when you start seeing these, these changes affecting behaviour, um, it's a huge payoff. And that, I guess that's the thing, is business changes and business behaviour changing through the processes, the systems that you put in place to do that. But from a challenge point of view, I think you know, it's the age-old problem that change is really, really hard. And changing something that is affecting someone who's successful uh, is very, very difficult, very difficult indeed. No, that absolutely answers the question. It's fantastic. Now, in in closing, um, because you you've mentioned quite a few things that you know um, change initiatives do help impact within the business. How do you go about measuring the business impact of a sales transformation initiative, and how do you articulate what success looks like? Yeah, I mean, you know, most of the the enablement that we do is in sales, so we do have um, a couple of key indicators there. So. Um, if we look at it on a macro and a micro level, we'll start with the macro. If we're working with um, a particular team and we're bringing in um, a particular level of training, first of all, we identify what that training's objective is. So if it was around negotiating, as an example, or whether it was around a new product that we're training them on or a new feature. And then that's really easy to translate of what success looks like. Um, very quickly, you can see the effects that you're having there. But I think often what happens is, is that we, we neglect one really important part of change, which is coaching. Um, 
So what we find is, is that although you might start seeing change on a macro level, the part that really excites me is, is the change that we see on a micro level or what I'd call an individual level is that you might be working with a rep on a particular change that they're making um, and it takes time for them to truly grasp that concept and the coaching is where that pays off. One-on-one -on -one coaching with a rep where you see the improvements that they're making and then the byproduct of that are the results that come in. So um, in terms of measuring success, I mean, it's around revenue that's brought in. We look at conversions. So if, you know, from when an opportunity is open to when an opportunity closes, if we can affect those conversions in a pipeline, it's really important. Um, activity is obviously a key measure as well. Um, but it depends on the change that you're making. If you're talking about big structural change in an organisation um, that's affecting every area of the organisation, uh, you might have a little downturn because of the change that you're making and the time that it takes for someone or, or an organisation to change. But then you can start measuring those results. So if we look at the two examples I've given today around moving an organisation from total contract business to um, annualised revenue, again, you're kind of resetting what the, the formula is and you st should start seeing the results in things like average order value, the less deals being done but those deals being bigger, how long it takes to get those opportunities in from when we open them to when we close them, the conversion of top of funnel to bottom of funnel. That's where you start measuring stuff like that. If we look at something like the authority matrix, which is the other example I gave, again, we'd be training the discipline of negotiating, so we should start seeing people holding their nerve on negotiating, getting more for deals, getting more variables in those negotiating, so giving away less, but asking for more when we do have to negotiate. There's lots of different ways of doing it, but the part that always excites me is on the individual level because you can see real, um, I suppose, demonstrable change uh, over a longer period of time as well. Coaching and working with an individual is, is, is so rewarding and watching someone sort of go for that metamorphosis of like a chrysalis right through to a butterfly, someone's confidence growing, someone's results getting better, someone's um, leadership skills coming through, someone's ability improving, way you scorecard the reps on their calls, the way that you score call listening. When you start seeing those changes in the individual, it's really exciting because if you, you know, if you scale that across a thousand calls, those incremental changes will have a massive effect on the organisation. But then if you scale it across four or five hundred reps, it becomes, you know, you become an unstoppable machine, which is, which is what we want. Fantastic. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciated your insights on, on change management. No worries. It's been a real pleasure talking to you guys. To our audience, thanks for listening. For more insights, tips, and expertise from sales enablement leaders, visit salesenablement.pro. If there's something you'd like to share or a topic you'd like to learn more about, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you.